Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yes, hi everyone and welcome to another episode of our Women's World Cup podcast here at Optus Sport. David Weiner with you as the dust settles on the Matildas exit from France far earlier than we would have liked, but the sun has come up and another day has risen and there's been some great football since. Sadly, without the Matildas though, as we have US, France, England, Norway, Sweden and Germany into the next round and we wait to see whether the Netherlands, Japan, Italy or China will join them. I'm joined today though by Heather Garriock and Catherine Canuli. Guys, we've had a bit over a day now to consume and think about the Matildas campaign. Heather, we sat here, I think, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, we talked about what we wanted to see and how excited we were. And we all, a lot of you legends said, look, we, we want a semi-finals. That's where we want to be, an improvement on previous campaigns. In the end, we didn't even make it that far. In a word, how do you sum up the Matildas campaign? In a word, it'd be failure. And I think... Um I say this from the bottom of my heart. I'm I'm heartbroken. The nation's heartbroken, and most importantly, uh, the football community's heartbroken. And I just think that we underperformed from external issues. Catherine, it's hard to zero down on this entire campaign into saying what went wrong. Uh, but if you can put your finger on it, is it that? Is it more complex than that? Um, with a bit of time to reflect and after the emotion, how are you feeling? Yeah, look, I'm disappointed. Um, you know, we, we all jumped in and we all bought in. You know, there were so many of us that were involved and, and were within the squad and within the whole dynamics. And, you know, it, it's definitely um, got got issues and, and Heather's hit the nail on the head. You know, the external issues, you can talk about as much as you like that, you know, that it's not affecting them. But in the, the day, these girls are human and it's it affects them, you know. I think a lot of these girls are going to sit down after this World Cup and, and take a ho- hard look at, you know, what's going on and they're going to really reflect, you know. They've been in the hype of, of it over the last five months and I think going home um, over these next couple of days, they'll be sitting down and really reflecting on what's going on over the last five months. Yeah, I think... Um, I think uh from my perspective, I've got so much admiration for the 23 players that went away to the World Cup. And the reason why I've got admiration for them is because they got on with their job like professionals and they bought into Ante's philosophy and beliefs and playing style and they knew that they wanted to do well at this World Cup and they tried 100% to really really get to, to where the expectation was and that's semi-finals and even further and they go home heartbroken, but I think you're right, Nils. I think they're going to go home and they're going to reflect on the journey and they're going to have a little bit of a different opinion to what they had when they were in camp and actually in the moment and, and, and wanting to really, really buy in deeply um, to what it was all about. It's interesting because you know they tried to buy into the coach. You have to. You know where you've got to go. And we're going to look in a minute at we're going to break it down to show that we're not just throwing big statements out. We're going to look at why it didn't work. 
But one of the reasons I think everyone got so emotional amongst many reasons at the beginning of the year was we knew what a big opportunity this was for this cohort of players, the golden generation that they were being called. And one of the things we thought at the time was, was the way that situation was handled and the decision that was made, did that rob Australian football of a really powerful opportunity to go deep at a World Cup? Now that we've lived through the moment and we've seen it, do you feel like those words at the time have almost played out? Yeah, I, I'm going to explain the golden generation because many people keep saying, is this the golden generation? Why wasn't it 10 years ago? What makes them the golden generation? And I'll tell you what makes them the golden generation. We had 16-year-old kids debuting in 2003 and 2007 and those those 16-year-old kids were the likes of Sam Kerr, Emily Van Egmont, Alana Kennedy, um, Caitlin Ford, who was Young Player of the Year. They've had three World Cups to prepare on the world stage, not to mention Olympic Games and qualifications. And they've got the experience of almost a 30-year-old. And the reason why they're the golden generation is because they've now been given a full professional outfit. They can work at their job and be fully professional. They don't have to go to uni. They don't have to go to to the jobs that we had to go to, Knowles. They've been given everything and they're playing in the the best leagues of the world. So we have got the quality of players and we have some X Factor players and one of the world's best players in Sam Kerr. We had everything and the results were on the board and especially a year or so ago or a year and a half ago when Stadge had taken the job, when we went to the Olympics, when we went to the last World Cup, all the tournaments that we played, we loved to see the Matildas play. They played some exciting football. They played uh, high-pressing football. They, they played with a free spirit. And that's the reason why that makes them the golden generation, because of all those factors. And there's so many different facets for it, for them, but that's the most important thing. So, Catherine, there was a quote in the media circles yesterday, I think, through the Sydney Morning Herald on The Age, where the FFA, through David Gallup, said, put simply, we believe the change was necessary to give us the best chance to perform at the World Cup. Now, in light of what H just said, which is that with all the long-term build-up to this moment, did we have the best opportunity to perform at this World Cup? No, look, I have to disagree with Mr Gallup. You know, I think we're in a um, in an unbelievable situation in terms of women's football. Um, Alan Stagic, what he's done for, for football, or women's football in this country is unbelievable. And, and for me, at a national level, you need to understand and know who your players are and, and what you've got and what you can work with. And I think that Stadge had that worked out perfectly. He had a plan. He knew his players. He knew them in and out. And he knew exactly what type of style he wanted to play with those girls. And it suited them perfectly. You know, we can say whatever we want about in terms of, um, you know, they need to change, they need this. But we have not seen them play the, the type of football, you know, in this tournament or in the last five months in the football that they have played in the previous two years. Everybody that I speak to, they comment about the Matildas, about how free play they are in, in the front third, how clinical they are, how how exciting they are to watch. And me personally, I didn't see that in this World Cup tournament. I think about the statement as well. And um, to be 24 hours out of a major tournament that we've just ultimately failed and the players have as well, to come out and want to justify your decision... <laughs> I'm so disappointed, especially from the boss um, that runs our organisation. Why would you come out and say that? Um, the other thing is, I don't think it's about um, it's about uh, the stage situation and um, off field and ev- everything about that. I don't think it's a ab- it, it's about that. It goes deeper than that. It's the decisions 
that the people at our organisation have made and they continue to think it's the correct decision even though we failed. This is what baffles me and I, I, I cannot understand and, and reading that, st- that, that little article, um, it, it made me so sad. The thing here as well is that a lot, there's, a, there's a huge school of thought from – there's always two sides to every story and two sides to every debate and there's people saying now that going back and looking at that decision isn't actually going to help anything and it's a knee-jerk reaction to failure and it's, and it's the obvious reaction from when we didn't do well. But the game has to learn from its mistakes. What is the biggest takeout? Because the obvious one is that it didn't, it didn't improve the side in the end. Why do we need to go back and look at this decision for the sake of the game going forward? Okay, I'm going to paint a picture for the last 10 years of, of, of football, even eight years that the golden generation has been a part of the national team and this is what's happened. This is in women's football. Let's leave the men's football out of it. There's been a sacking in Hesterina Daru, orchestrated by the players. There's been a revolt with PFA, orchestrated by the players and ultimately we don't know who's involved in uh, Alan Stadgic's uh, sacking because it's all confidential but I'm sure that's, that's been part of some kind of review. And th- these are three massive incidences in the space of some of these quality players' careers. They should not have to go through this. This is organisational. And if we had a body that was working collectively for our common goal, and that's to one day be part of the World Cup finals then they'd do everything they can. They would not sabotage it. And right or wrong, whether they thought Alan Stadgic should be there or not, we're in preparation for a World Cup. For God's sake, why would you sack a coach five months out? Then the next thing is you employ Ante Milicic. And I feel sorry for him, even though it was his choice to take the job. He had no women's football experience. He had no head coaching experience, only at our youth national team level. He... Didn't know any of the players. He wanted to implement a style that didn't suit our players because he didn't know them. What do you expect to happen? Honestly, I'm sitting back here thinking this is going to be a train wreck before it even starts. But the hierarchy continue to think this was the right decision. Put your hand up. It wasn't the right decision. And we've got girls that are walking away, 23 girls and our fans that are walking away, failed campaign. It wasn't the right decision. Put your hand up. Own it. It wasn't the right decision. Please. Yeah, look, I think we need to, um, you know, own what's happened and, and definitely we need to look forward with this situation in mind. We really need to make sure that this doesn't happen again. We've seen it happen in, in the men's game. We've seen it happen in the women's game. And like Heather's saying is we had a plan. You know, when, when there's a plan, your train's on track. When you take the train off track, it the plan starts to fail and unfortunately it's not enough time and it was somebody that came in and again no disrespect to Ante Milicic I think he's a fantastic uh, coach and a, and a great guy but in terms of women's football you need to understand your players you need to know who you're going into the tournament with you know he's got a style he's got a philosophy but does that really suit the Matildas and yeah. I don't think it did. Yeah, and, and you've hit the nail on the head. He, he's philosophy. I, I respect him. Do you know what? I've actually followed him for years, especially under Popper when these guys was when West Sydney Wanderers were so successful. Um, his career, I, I absolutely love what he was trying to do with the Matildas. The timing was just wrong. 
There were so many wrong things about it. And if I can give examples, I think that the best examples was more about his substitutions as well. And if we reflect on the game, some of his substitutions, we know we, we've, we've spent 15 years watching Lisa Devana play and in a moment that we need someone to come on and, and switch on something, you need a, a player like Lisa Devana to, to come on and, and really turn the game on the head and and make a big moment out of the game. Hayley Rasso was most outstanding in that in that quarterfinal. Why has she been taken off? Why would you put a, a defender on? There's, there's so many questions, but the substitutes throughout that. And the only person there that had any idea about women's football from a coaching perspective was Gary Van Egmont, who's been in the game, obviously, in the men's system, but his daughter plays. Um, as assistant coach and he obviously contributed a great deal and Mel Andrietta that again hasn't been to a major tournament has been so successful with Brisbane Raw and a great coach as well but then you bring in an assistant coach that doesn't have women's football knowledge I think this is the key the key thing had they brought in someone that was knowledgeable of the game and had been part of the game and knew the players and knew exactly what they were all about um, it, it could have been different but again the scars was so deep with what happened to Alan and it was almost swept under the carpet. Let's not talk about it until the World Cup. You can't sweep a massive issue like that under the carpet. And the last thing is in Sam Kerr's press conference after the game, when they lost on penalty shootout, she referred to this team has been through so much. So this is in the mind of our Australian captain straight after the loss. So they've obviously been through the ringer and they're trying to block it out and they tried their best and there's admiration there from me and everybody and we're so proud of them. But you can't block out that, unfortunately. No, you, you can't block out what's happened and unfortunately it's, it's, um, it's played with their World Cup chances. You know, like we're saying, we talk about the, the golden generation and you know, how far these girls could have come and, and I truly believe that we could have went deep into this tournament but you know, with all this outside noise and you know, they can talk about as much as they want that it didn't affect them, mm. it did affect them. It did affect their their performance. It did affect affect their cohesion on the field, um, and it's just really sad. Even for me, like I, I was on on their bandwagon. I really, really, truly believed that they could do something in this tournament, and it was heartbreaking to see them fail at this tournament and, and not even get through the round of sixteen. Because realistically, even back in the day, you know, without. Um, you know, the W League up and running, we'll get him through, we'll push him through, we'll have that never say die attitude, we'll push him through, we'll get him results in games and, you know, if you go back to the substitutions, if you're looking for a, for a match winner and you look to your bench, the first person that I'll be putting on is Lisa Devana. Yeah. How does she not make the field? I don't understand. She's an impact player, she can pull something out of nothing. She's she's performed for us on the world stage for so many years. Top goal scorer Top for Australia. Top goal scorer, you know, how do you not look to Lisa Devana to take that field? I, it just baffles me. Yeah, exactly. And and we can talk about the substitutions, but the other thing that um, would have been would have been tough for the players to deal with, and again, they they I'm sure would have blocked it out, is how does a coach get named as as your World Cup coach, and they, then within months get his contract extended, and then two weeks out of a World Cup, he gets announced as a Macarthur FC coach. I know if I was a player and I was a senior player in that squad, that would hurt me so hard. And hurt me because, yep, you can see Ante bought into the players and, he, and, and he's fallen in love with this group. Why wouldn't you? You'd have to because they're fantastic women and athletes. But to know that he's going somewhere else, um, it, it hits a nerve for me. 
what, what who made this decision yeah, at the federation? Look, that, that to decision, announce it yeah. two weeks before a World Cup. It's it's a um, it's a silly. When I heard it, you know, it, my heart broke for the girls because I I know as a player how they would be feeling. But for me, if if you wanted Ante to come in and and take the girls to the World Cup, that's fine. But I think this means if he's taking them to the World Cup quali- qualifiers, it means that we still do not have a plan in place. The Olympic qualifiers. That's right, the Olympic qualifiers. So <laughs> yeah. it, it means that we don't have a plan in place. Let Ante go, take him to the to the World Cup, and then let's hire someone because Olympic qualifiers is now, it's the next run now of the next four years of what we're going to be building towards. So let's hire someone straight off the back of the World Cup so they can start planning and getting their team in order because, you know, Ante takes us to the, to the Olympic qualifiers, then what? He's, he's, he's leaving he's and leaving. It's, just, it's just a band-aid effect. And um, again, I just want to reiterate that he, his coaching ability and, and his um, attention to detail and, and analyst skills are amazing. And, and the whole, whole uh, support staff was amazing. But um, the reports come out after the game, they showed so much fight. Do you know what? They've been showing fight since since before I knew in the 80s and the 90s. We've got to do better than showing fight. And as a seeded nation, you do need to set that agenda a little bit harder, that temper a little bit harder. And you look at the regret and the what if, and you look at where Italy are in the side of the draw, the way it's <laughs> crumbled, and you do have that knot in your stomach about that what if, what might have happened if it had played out as we all dreamed previously. So we talk about the time that he didn't have or, or that he needed to go on and, and what they might achieve together Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The road to the qualifiers, that other stuff about what happens next, that, that's a key talking point. But we'll see whether they have the time to evolve under him in those qualifiers. But let's go back to what they're able to achieve in the small amount of time, which sort of backs up what we're saying about that we didn't reach our potential. Did they look confused? Did they, did they look like they weren't the Matildas we know? That, that the, the, the team that was almost compelling viewing to watch in the, the recent years were, were a shadow of themselves? Yeah, I'm going to explain why as well, is because um, in terms of Alan's coaching style, um, he was the type of coach that would give you almost the the um, foundations to what he'd like from a playing out point of view and building up point of view and how he'd like you to do that. And then in the front third, he'd allow all the free spirits like your Sam Kerrs and Caitlin Fords and Lisa Devanas because they haven't been coached tactically that hard, and, and I don't say this lightly, and I mean that hard by they haven't been given so much um, detail in tactics because they're free spirits and they play by intuition and, and, and they play off each other and that's that's what made them great and that's what makes them great. And um, the difference between stages is, is he would give them guidelines and um, especially in, in pressing, he, he had hard rules in, in the way he presses and high presses and he, he, was, um, he, he wanted the girls to take risks. And then Ante's come in and his style, I continue to say I love it, I absolutely love it. It's a possession-based game. Um, he wants to build up out of the back at all costs. He wants to play in the back third. 
But that doesn't suit us. It's a risky way of playing. And it was almost like the girls wanted to play out so badly because they believed in this philosophy so much that it, it made us come undone because sometimes you need to adapt and be flexible. And I just don't think the style was adaptable and flexible and versatile for this group of players. So it would have been... Had he come in and said, you know what, I'm going to base my philosophy and my principles or his principles on the players or personnel that we got, I think he would have been a lot more successful. But because he was trying to change things in the five months, and people say it's a short time, I don't think it's a short time. I think he had ample time, especially with the eight, eight games or so that he had in, in build-up. He, um, he had almost 10 players in the Young Matildas, Future Matildas program that he could have been coaching, training and, and being part of. But the personnel that he continued to start was completely different every single game. He didn't quite have his, his, um, his set starting 11 and I know he wanted to be versatile and rest players and things like that but it was all over the shop. We didn't know who, who was playing where and what was playing that. Caitlin Ford was playing number 10 in the American game and then she played out wide for the World Cup game. KK played in the six or the holding midfielder role and then she ended up playing left back and she never played left back for the Matildas until the World Cup. So there were so many different um, elements to the World Cup that we got wrong. Yeah, I definitely agree, H. Um, you know, there were so many bits and pieces that just didn't work for us in, in terms of our style and, and what we are trying to do. I think we are trying to force things. Um, we had just the one gear in, in most games. We didn't see them going into second or third gear in terms of, you know, for me, you know, football's all about decision-making. So on the ball, yeah, you want that ball to go down the line and that's what your coach says, oh, we want to play this ball, we want to play out, we want to get down the line. But when you're on the ball... And, and a team's worked you out, then you need to start making your own decisions on, on the field. And I know in the front third, Stadge was very open in terms of, um, you know, being flary and, and being clinical in the front third and, and using your own imagination. And, and that's what it's like as, as a striker. I remember playing under him and he'd absolutely hammer me for, for having doing flicks in, in the back third. I wasn't allowed to do it. But in the front third, I could always get away with doing that sort of things. And, and that's a style that, um, that is the Aussie style. That is the Australian way of, of playing football. That's what suited our Matildas. That's what suited the players that we had. And when you know what your personnel, and, and he's obviously known these players for such a long time, you could see that. You could see the exciting football. You could see that they weren't overthinking things. Where in, in this World Cup, we were overthinking every single pass, every single play. They wanted to keep playing the same way. You can't win games. If things are going wrong, you need to find a way to win. You need to find a way to get a decision on the ball that it's going to be changing. You have to change what you're doing on the field and that just comes down to decision-making. And I've never seen so many goals scored against the Matildas in the last eight, eight nine games that, that we've played. We leaked so many goals. And just remember, this back four is very, very similar to the back four that's been playing for years now. They've all played together. What was the biggest consequence of the trade-off from all these issues? We obviously had that big debate about that you know, that high line in the first game, but obviously it was more complicated than that. It's about the press from the front and the structure of the midfield, but it was getting exposed in behind. But in the end, what was the trade-off? Was it that? Was it the midfield passing and dominance in midfield? Was it the combination up front? What was the biggest disappointment or the biggest Achilles heel in the end? Yeah, I think um, well, we saw initially, if we watched the game against America and, and, and Netherlands and our first game against Italy, the high line was 
suicidal. Um, and the reason why I, I, I do remember asking uh, the video analysis, why are we playing such a high line early on when, when I saw her give a, a presentation? And she mentioned, Kate Callum mentioned to me that um, he wanted uh, five clippings of grass between the back line and the front line, which I can understand if he was playing a high-press game, which meaning that if they're playing out of the back, then every single player is man-for-man high-pressing and locking them in so hard that they're almost suffocated. But it wasn't. The press started from Sam, and what happened was is there'd be holes within the midfield. And because there was holes in the midfield, and it took us so long to put direct pressure on the ball, not just zonal and, and and just jockeying, direct pressure on the ball, that ultimately gave either their back line or the midfield line, time on the ball to look up. And we didn't have the body position. We didn't have the positioning as a back four to be able to turn and be part of a foot race. Now, Alana Kennedy, I think, is one of the best players in Australia. Technically, tactically, astute. Um, Her set players are exceptional. But she got exposed. Claire Polkinghorne, that's been part of the squad for over 15 years, she got exposed as well. Even Ellie Carpenter, who was is a whiz up and down the right-hand side, she got exposed as well. And same as Steph Catley. So that, to me, was, was the biggest problem. And he adjusted it. And the team adjusted it as we went on. We didn't get caught too much. But ultimately, that Norwegian goal, we got caught again by a high line. Mm-hmm. So the same thing. So um, that was, for me... A, a, a dramatic change in which we've seen in the Matilda style from Stagic. Yeah, of course, you know, those those girls, you know, did get really um, caught out and it's un- it was unfortunate for them. But, you know, like we were saying is when you press from the front and then you're getting picked off in the midfield, it's very hard to, to track back and, and trying to, you know, get your positioning right in terms of how you're, um, you know, getting caught in behind. And it's really, really important for them to that they had to get that right. And it was really hard for them to try and change that aspect of their game. You know, when you're used to playing a, a certain style of football and, and it's not working for you, you know, it puts pressure and it puts a lot of, um, you know, gets them down, gets their confidence down as well. Doubt in their mind, especially Doubt. if you're conceding goals as a defender, that the last thing you want to do and a goalkeeper is is have a clean sheet. That just builds confidence and momentum amongst the defence. We haven't kept the clean sheet for so many games. I can't remember the last time we did. Yes. Probably, probably Chile. If I can't, I can't remember exactly whether there has been under Milicic, but it was the final against Chile was the last one that springs to mind yeah. off the top of the head. Um, who, who did who did stand up? Who who what what were the positives from the tournament? Yeah, there there, there is a lot of positives, and um, I, I think uh, the positives are that we, we've we've got all the all the right players, and we've got all the all the right right. Um, support staff and resources and everything behind us. I think um, Ellie Carpenter st- stood up uh, as, as a right back. I thought she was outstanding. Um, the, her attacking attributes were, were exceptional. I thought she was uh, really good in attack. Um, up front, I, I would say uh, Hayley Rasso. Hayley Rasso, especially in that Norwegian game. To have a player that's a, an attacking player with the flair, the determination, um, the dedication to really want to fight and win, I thought she was outstanding. And, and I just thought just our, just our general glimpses of play in build-up and, and that, that time um, when we played against Brazil, I thought there was glimpses of that. The first 20 minutes against Norway, I thought, here we go. This is exactly what the Matildas are like. We're, we're going to see a completely different um, style of play in, in terms of... Uh, you know, combining and confidence and, and that they were the positives for me. Yeah, for me, look, I think Chloe Legazzo had a fantastic tournament. Um, you know, she she worked her, her 
backside off. She just worked so hard for the team. She she was everywhere. She was in attack. She was in she was in defence. Um, she was she was the workhorse of that team and in that midfield. Um, you know, she was a playmaker as well. She she wanted to get on the ball. Um, you know, also I think Ellie Carpenter done really well. And I've got to give um, credit to Ross Backen as well coming in yeah. as an eighteen year old. You know, stepping into that spot, and it's a hard spot to fill. And, and look, she was a bit shaky to start off with, but I thought she held her own in, in the second half of that game, and it was just fantastic to see a young kid like her be able to step in and, and step up for the team. Yeah, what a, what a proud moment that that was. Um, but she didn't get picked initially in the in the World Cup squad of twenty three, and had Ante been back in Australia um, at the Future Matildas program, she trained every day for for months and months. Then he would have picked her straight away, and instead he didn't. And then threw in the deep end in, in, in a World Cup game, and I thought she stepped up really well as well. I thought she was outstanding. The one player that we didn't mention who was an absolute superstar in the Norway game is little Lydia Williams. Yes, wow, she's she's still got it. I'll tell you what, she 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 kept us in the game for many games. Um, her. I don't know, her saves, everything, just, just her attitude, just her fight. Um, she won it so bad and seeing her crying after the game and, and seeing a lot of them crying after the game, it just um, it just wasn't our, our time and, and it really should have been. Well, for someone like Lydia, you know, that that's possibly her last chance at, at doing something spectacular in a World Cup, you know, and it was really amazing to see the, the old Lydia back on that field and, and the way she was making those saves. She she just she took the game, she, she kept us in the game, um, but yeah, for, for a couple of them, you know, Lydia and and Polks, you know, this is probably their uh, Devana. Yeah, you know, this is their this was their last chance. Like these girls have been with the team for such a long time, and and they this was their last chance to do something special with this team, and and they will be hurting. I, I know they'll they'll be hurting. That highlights package of Lydia Williams is spectacular from that last game. It's something else. And speaking of clean sheets, the last one was against Argentina in the Cup of Nations in March. So there has been one under Milicic, but not for some time. So as we finish off and look ahead, and we could go for hours, and there's probably going to be more postponements to come, but what now? We talked about we've, we're looking back at that decision in January. We're looking back at what went wrong now. But what has to happen now? And we can talk both Matilda specifically and, and for, the, for the game here going forward. What, what are the biggest priorities right now to make sure that the public love of the Matildas and then their ability to live up to that can, continues as well? I, th- I think similar to what Noel's just said, um, whilst Arte's a great coach and we know he's going to MacArthur FC, you need to employ a coach that's going to be there the long haul and that the players uh, really get to know and, and buy into and, and, and can um, really fall in love with um, because that's what we love as, as, as our coaches. And um, yeah, it's most importantly, he's putting the Matildas as the number one and getting the players to play in different leagues all around the world. We know that a lot of the Matildas were back here in Australia and didn't play before the World Cup, which is which was a detriment too. Um, but also our, our youth development. Um, we've just seen Spain um, smash it at under-17s, win the, win the under-17s, runners-up at under-20s, compete here on the world stage against the top nation, USA. The reason why they're doing that is not because they're having one or two programs here or there in their country. Is they're investing a lot of money in their development pathway, and they've got a lot of quality players coming through, and that's what we need to really, really focus on. The other thing is coaching. You need to focus on coaching. You need the best coaches in these youth development programs, so these players can learn and evolve and become the best they possibly can be. And at the moment, it's not happening. We've got one future materials program, and then we've got the under-17s that come in for camps, and then we've got the Matildas who are all around the world. And it's just it's just everywhere. We need stability amongst our programs, and 
stability now? Yeah, look, it's for me, it's really, really important that we go back to the um, drawing board and, and we need to hire a coach that's going to be in, in there for the long run with, with the Matildas and with this group. Um, grassroots, women's football numbers, programs in states need to be looked at. Um, that's, that's the first part because in the states, you need to be making sure that we have the right programs and the right pathways that these kids are getting proper training good quality training. So if we have to invest in coaches and facilities, whatever it is, we need to go back to to the start. We then need to look at investment at W League. W League needs to be, you know, a longer um, a longer tour- a longer um, season. It needs to have making sure that you know we've got enough young players coming through the ranks as well, and they get an exposure to playing in in the W League. But also, we need to go back to being competitive in the youth stages. If we're not competitive, and you can see how many under-23s from, from all the, the top teams in the world, how many of those players have, have played, you know, 40, 50 matches at under-23 level? How many do our young kids play? They come back and they play in the MPL, and, and it's not good enough for them. They're playing in, in under-17s in, in an MPL um, tournament or MPL um, season, which is not challenging enough for them. We've got the Future Matildas program, which is a fantastic program that was set up by Stadge, knowing that we didn't have the depth and we, we needed something really quick to, to put a good quality um, environment in place for these, for these females. And again, that's only for, for 20, 25 players. We need a bigger pool of players if we want to be successful on the, on the world stage. Well, I've asked a two-hour question at the end of a 30-minute podcast, so I've asked you to say a lot in a very short space of time, and you've done it passionately and eloquently, and and we really much appreciate that, but we can talk a lot more about it, and we might even tomorrow, because by the end of tomorrow, you could have seven out of the eight quarterfinalists coming from Europe, and I think that's a very interesting part of the conversation too, because we all came into this World Cup, and so many people were saying, well, this is our time, we're up amongst it, but the world's moving at a rate of knots, and Europe's pedigree in women's football and passion and interest in there and investment in it is as well and uh, that's one of the first things we've got to keep up with let alone making sure our own backyards right so we'll be talking about that I've got no doubt as the tournament ends and we start to look towards the W League season which you both will be so heavily involved in that will come up again and we'll continue to look at the things that need to be worked on there but for now thank you both so much for such passion and interesting insights uh, on the Matildas um, because all we want is success and and the best for all our national teams. The same thing for the Socceroos and all them going through as well. So thank you very much, ladies, for sticking around and having a chat. Thank you. Great thank stuff. You. Great stuff. And to everyone out there, as always, much more football to come on Up the Sport with the big games overnight to decide the quarterfinalist matchups, and then it's into the business end of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Until the next show, enjoy your football. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.